Hey, welcome to Red Rocks and welcome to week one of Kingdom Builders 2023. If you're newer around here, this is a sermon series we do at the end of every single year. This is my favorite series that we do and over the next three weeks, you're gonna find out why. But in the time of the year where the rest of the world is holding everything that they have with white knuckles and closed fists, our faith gets a little bit crazy and we pray a, a pretty crazy prayer. This is the question that all of us go to God with at the end of every year. God, based on all the ways that you have blessed me, blessed my family this year, what can I give to build your kingdom and not my kingdom? And that's a very, very counterculture kind of question. And if this is your church, it's the question I wanna challenge you to start asking and start praying because I'm convinced if all of us asked that question and then responded accordingly, that heaven is truly the limit for the amount of people who will be in that baptism video one year from today. Kingdom Builders 2023. And the final week of this series, two weeks from today, December 2nd and December 3rd, that weekend, as a church, we are going to take an end of year above and beyond kind of offering as a church. And I'm so excited about this. And there's, a, there's different categories in the room right now that really quick I just wanna address because I could even feel it right now. There's some of you who this gets your heart going. You're so excited because you know the power of generosity. You've seen what it's done in your life and through your life. And you've just got this gut feeling, man, that this Jesus, Jesus could come back any day now. And his local church was his plan A for reaching a lost and broken world. And he don't got a plan B. And what we do matters and I wanna live full and die empty and be poured out like a drink offering. I'm not taking anything with me and I'm here with the passion and a purpose to build the local church and you could not be more excited about that. There's a different category and maybe it's a mixed bag of emotions where you're like, well, I don't know if I'm excited about it, but like I'm in, let's go, I'll do it. But then I think there's even another category and you might even be mad right now. And I want to acknowledge that because I get it. And I wanted to disarm you because this church does not need a penny from you. God, God does not need a penny from you. And I'll never, I'll never ask you to give a specific amount of anything. And my challenge to you is just to show up and just to watch just to show up and get to watch an uncommon church full of real people with real bills and burdens to pay just like you. Do something that seems crazy, illogical, and maybe even kind of stupid if God's not real, but only if God's not real. I think this will build your faith. And maybe even, like if you've never heard us talk about money and finances at this church, I think this series is going to shock you in the best way ever. And if I said money and you just got triggered, there's a very real reason for that and a good backstory behind that. And I think this series might even be the avenue God uses to begin to heal your heart. Because I promise you, I don't have an instruction or an obligation for you. I simply believe the maker of the universe has an invitation for every single one of us to be kingdom builders. And so God, as we uh, look onto this new year that's right around the corner, we wanna finish well, and we wanna finish with expectation of all the things you are about to do. God, that truly you are a God who, who calls us to remember what's behind so that it can build our faith, but then you call us to face forward because you're just getting started. And I believe with all my heart, we ain't seen nothing yet in the story that you wanna continue to write with Red Rocks Church. And so I pray that we would finish 2023 with hearts full of faith. 
Speak to us today. We're listening. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. You guys, take a seat. Welcome to church. Scoot in if you do have a few seats. I know I see some seats there, guys, in the middle. If you could scoot in because we're still going to have a few people trickling in. Welcome to Kingdom Builders. Today, by the way, is simply a heart prep, okay? Today, we're talking about the predecessor of generosity, which I believe is gratitude. In honor of the Thanksgiving season, I wanna preach a message near and dear to my heart all about gratitude. And I wanna read for you two pretty iconic verses in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote called Philippians. The theme of Philippians is gratitude. And Paul is writing this letter from prison to the church in Philippi, hence Philippians, uh, this is a church that he accidentally started back when he was trying to get to Asia but ended up in Europe. And really quick, if you feel like nothing in your life is going according to plan right now, it might just be that God is rerouting you to something better. And three years from now, you're gonna be, you're gonna be so grateful that he did. And so with that said, Philippians chapter four, verses 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Somebody say secret. Just making sure you guys are awake. The secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, and then this is the iconic part. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength, amen? Come on, can we get a better amen for the word of God? I know it's 9 a.m., guys. Let's go. I'm feeling this. I'm fired up. I'm gonna get you going. You're gonna like this message. The theme of Philippians is, simply put, gratitude. That Paul is writing a letter to a church full of people he loves from a season that means a lot to him. And in these two verses that are so simple yet so profound, he's saying, you guys, I've learned the secret to being content, to having and being enough in any and every situation. And the secret is gratitude. Gratitude was Paul's superpower. The world did not give it to him, and life could not take it from him. And so in honor of the Apostle Paul and Thanksgiving week, I wanted to preach a message on the power of gratitude called Secret Superpower. So if you're taking notes, and I recommend taking notes today. That, guys, this is good stuff, all right? So even if you're not a note taker, maybe today's the day that uh, get a jump on that, on that 2024 New Year's resolution of being a note taker today. Secret superpower about the power of, of gratitude. So have you, got, have you ever, I'll, I'll transition with this, have you ever been in one of those pay it forward lines in the drive-thru at Starbucks where one generous person decides to pay for the coffee for the car behind them? but then that person is so moved that they decide to pay for the coffee in the car behind them, and then that person pays for the coffee in the car behind them, and so on and so forth. I found myself in this exact situation about a month ago, and I pull up to the, to the, to the Starbucks window to pay the guy, and he says, sir, the guy in front of you just paid for your coffee because you're the 23rd person in a pay it forward chain this morning. How do you like them apples? And immediately I thought, man, that's so, wow, that made my day. There's kind people in the world. Thank you. Like this is, this seriously, it made my morning. But then he asked me, do you wanna pay it forward as well? I said, excuse me? He said, do you wanna pay it forward as well? Now I'm a man of God, okay? But I ordered a tall drip coffee. It's $1.99. It's literally the cheapest thing that you can get at Starbucks by far. So first of all, it's not like the guy in front of me is like a martyr, okay? 
But then second, I'm assessing the situation in my rear view mirror, and what's behind me is a car with four college-age girls in an Xterra with a UT sticker, and I totally judged the book by the cover. I know you're really not supposed to do that, but I judged the book by the cover, but I promise you it was justified. The windows were down. I could hear the song August by Taylor Swift. I could hear giggling and a conversation about Travis Kelsey or something. I, I've been, like, I, I know this Starbucks order. I promise you nobody in this car is gonna order a black drip coffee, okay? This is for milkshake, I mean coffee connoisseurs, excuse me, each of them ordering a $6 venti two-pump caramel macchiato with oat milk and a blueberry scone. You know how I know that? Because that's my wife's order, all right? And I totally just threw her under the bus, but she's not here, so we'll just keep that between me and the 800 of you. <laughs> By the way, Overflow, can we make some noise for Overflow? We love you guys, you're legends. I'm telling you, man, get here late next week and try Overflow, it's actually awesome. It's great AC, it's dark, it's cozy, you're gonna love it. But I'm thinking, this was gonna cost me $2.32. This is gonna end up being 50 bucks, all right? I know what you're thinking though, but I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a leader of a church, I'm a man of character, a man of, of integrity, and this is a pay-it-forward Starbucks story that is worthy of the evening news. There's good people in the world, the world needs this story. WWJD, what would Jesus do in this moment? He asked me again, sir, do you wanna pay for the coffee for the car behind you? Do you wanna know what one of your pastors said? Nope, <laughs> I sure don't. I don't have to pray about it, I don't feel bad about it. I took my free coffee, I saved my 50 bucks, and I had the best day. <laughs> it was the best day. Well, I'm good to close in prayer if you guys are. I think uh, we got what we came here for. I love that joke. Okay, let me ask you this question before you walk out of here thinking, what the heck kind of pastors run this place? Fair question. However, let me ask you a question. Was that pay it forward line really 23 generous people? Or was it one generous person followed by 22 people who don't know how to be grateful and receive a gift? Discuss amongst yourselves. <laughs> no, because if I'm the first person in that line, I, I, I'd be so mad because I'm thinking, I was trying to give the gift of free coffee to the car behind me, but they completely negated it. They couldn't receive it because they still just paid for coffee, just not theirs. Were they a cheerful giver or were they just worried what the Starbucks guy was gonna think about them if they didn't pay it forward? Was this generosity or shame and where's the gratitude, Red Rocks? I'm telling you, gratitude might as well be a superpower. I don't know if you've ever thought what superpower you could have. If I said, pick any superpower, it's yours. I think in our day and age, we could all use a superpower, super strength, super speed, shooting little sticky webs out of your wrists to swing from skyscrapers and kiss girls upside down. To quote Michael Scott, Jesus had the power of flight and could heal leopards. I think all of us want a superpower. Today I'm making the case that gratitude basically is one. Take it from the Apostle Paul. Gratitude was the reason he could write a letter of encouragement and contentment from prison. Chained and shackled to a, a dark, damp, dirty, rat-infested dungeon floor. Writing a letter of contentment and encouragement 
to another group of people, not in prison, by the way, a group of people, he would give anything to be with them, and that guy, the prisoner, is the freest person on the planet. Why? Because he knows the secret in any and every situation to contentment, and the secret is gratitude. Not only does it allow you more access to the power and presence of God in your life, but physiologically speaking, it also triggers all the happy hormones in your brain. So many scientific studies recently coming out about gratitude and its power. Harvard Health Publishing says this, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Other studies have shown how daily moments of practice gratitude lead almost immediately to seismic shifts as far as your health goes, both physically and mentally in the rest of your life. Gratitude helps you reframe past trauma. Gratitude helps you build resilience for facing future trauma. Gratitude increases motivation neurocircuitry in your brain while decreasing anxiety in your brain. It is a potent anti-inflammatory giving you a strong sense of well-being. And to top it all off, scientists are saying they're calling it the fountain of youth for your brain, gratitude, because it keeps your mind young, agile, and healthy. Gratitude is a secret superpower. And today I wanna give you four reasons gratitude will change your life. Does that sound good? Are you ready? You promise? I'm gonna need more convincing, but we'll get to there, all right? Here's the first way gratitude will change your life. Gratitude unlocks the door to God's presence. It unlocks the door to God's presence. This is Psalm 100, verse four, that says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his presence with gratitude. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. God's presence on your life equals God's power in your life. To quote Jesus, what was once impossible for man now becomes possible with God in the picture. I could say it this way. What you couldn't do with willpower, you now can do with God's power. What did Paul say in his letter about gratitude? I can do all things. All things, Paul? Yeah, all things. How? Through Christ who strengthens me through God who is empowering me from the inside out. Gratitude unlocks the door to more of God's presence and everything that goes with God's presence in your life. Remember the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, when the younger son takes his inheritance and then he finally comes home and the father throws a party in the house, but the older son has been a, he's been working for his dad the whole time. He's been out in the fields earning his father's blessing. And his earning led to his entitlement, and his entitlement was him keeping himself out of his father's house. The father didn't kick him out. The father was like, get in here. This is where the party is. This is where the blessing of my home is. Get in here. But his entitlement was him keeping himself out. I'm telling you, gratitude might as well be the difference between shouting your prayers to God from outside the house to entering his courts with thanksgiving, sitting down at the kitchen table, and like a son or a daughter, having a face-to-face conversation with him in his presence. That older brother situation, this is not a salvation question, but make no mistake about it, this is a blessing question. The father going, this is my 
the blessing of my presence, of my house. Get in here. Entitlement was him keeping himself out. Gratitude is you walking in. This quote by John Gordon, I heard it recently, won't be on the screen. Maybe that's why abundance begins to flow into your life once gratitude starts flowing out of your heart. If gratitude means more of God's presence, then it also means more access to the plans of God. God's plans, that's like triggering in a good way in our day and age. I wanna know God's plans for my life. This is what the same Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 about God's plans. He says this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So wait a second, did Paul just like, Bottom line, the meaning of the human existence, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If I did a promo video earlier this week and I said, guys, get to church this Sunday because I'm about to tell you God's will for your life, this would be like the most attended weekend because when we hear God's will for my life, we immediately think, who should I marry and what job should I take? Do I marry her or her? Do I date him or him? Is it this job or that job? Do I stay here? Is it San Diego? Is it Denver? What is God's will for my life? And can I just say to you, God cares about all of it. He cares about where you're spending Thanksgiving. He cares about your parking spot on the mall, at the mall. This God has no beginning. He has no end. He is inexhaustible. It is impossible to bother this God. In fact, he would love nothing more as a father's heart than for you just to try to bother him this week with all the, the thoughts you got up in your fantastical brain and all the prayer requests that you got, big or small, and all the questions you've ever had about God's will, God's plans for your life. He wants to know all of it. However, it should be noted that when it comes to his will for you, this is his priority, that you would rejoice always, Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. You meet the person that you're even kind of remotely physically attracted to and they rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Marry them like after church today. <laughs> we'll get you married in the parking lot. Wouldn't be the first time we did that. It's a story for another day. Gratitude unlocks the door to more of God's presence in your life, enter his courts with thanksgiving, more of God's presence and everything that goes with it, amen? Number two, gratitude takes what you have and makes it enough. It's really hard to define gratitude. You should try it this week, just as a fun, I don't know, dinner table game at Thanksgiving, define gratitude without using the word thankful because that's just a synonym. Here, here's my best shot. Gratitude is when you have what you need because you want what you have. You gotta think about that for a second. Gratitude is when you have what you need because you, you want what you, what you already have. It takes what you have and it makes it enough. So remember the story of Jesus feeding thousands of people with one little boy's lunch? He takes the little fish sandwich lunchable. Do you remember what he does? He gives thanks for it. That's the detail we read over because he feeds thousands of people. That's the crazy part. However, don't miss it. Jesus takes it and gives thanks for it. 
and then his disciples feed the entire crowd with it, and then there's leftovers. Praise God for leftovers. So it wasn't enough. I want you to notice that. It wasn't enough, not even close. But then Jesus introduces a little bit of gratitude into the mix, and all of a sudden, it's more than enough? How? Gratitude takes what you have and makes it enough. So now take that paradigm and reapply it to Philippians 4, 12 through 13. We'll read it again. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So regardless of what I happen to have right now, regardless of my, of my season, we love, we, we drop the word, I'm in a season. I'm in a, I'm in a season. I'm in a sea. okay, great. Regardless of the season, regardless of what you have, I have learned the secrets and it's my superpower. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Contentment, let's define that. I'll define it this way. Contentment is having and being enough. And that sounds so good. Maybe that's why they say contentment is the greatest wealth there is. And to that I would say, then learning the secret to contentment might be the most valuable thing you can do. Having and being enough. And I just think the world could use a little bit of inspiration from Christians right now on what it looks like to have and be enough and live from a space of contentment because I just don't think very many people really are doing that. Even though in our cultural moment, let me just describe that to you right now. In a day and age where you have infinity on your phone and you could talk to anybody face to face, anybody in the world with the click of one button on a screen and a high definition TV that would have cost about $12,000 a decade ago, you could go get for $500 this afternoon at Target or Costco, giving you unlimited access to millions of games and TV shows and movies from your couch in your living room. You could get a college degree education for free on YouTube if you really wanted to. This year, you could get all the wisdom and know-how that you would ever need to start the company that you've been dreaming about starting this year if you tried. This week, you could fly to any place on the entire planet. After church today, you could go eat at any one of a thousand different restaurants in one of the coolest cities in the world and eat a meal, eat something that you did not have to grow or farm, or hunt, or kill. You don't even have to prepare it. They make it, they bring it straight to your table. There are now more places to go and more things to do, see, and experience than there's ever been. We truly live in the most connected, the most entertained, the most available and wealthy world that history knows about. And most of us are bored. Our souls are like the little mermaid singing, but who cares, no big deal, I want more. You ever watch the little mermaid now as an adult and go, oh, she's actually kind of like a spoiled brat. <laughs> I never saw that when I was a kid. It just made somebody so mad. <laughs> but so what's the answer? Like what's the secret? Is it more stuff? Is it more money? Is it more of what you already have that's already not working? Is it more followers? Is it faster Wi-Fi? Is it, is it billions of shows instead of just millions? 
For real though, what is it for you in this, to go from this season to that season? Is it a, a better job with the better salary so you could get the bigger house and the cooler car? And, and hear my heart, go for it, man. And I'll be the first pastor in line to pray for that for you. Why wouldn't I pray for that for you? All I'm saying is if you don't learn the secret to contentment right where you are now with what you have now, God forbid you get everything you thought you wanted and your soul will still sing. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. You don't need more to have enough. You need gratitude. Because gratitude takes what you have and makes it enough. When Paul said, I learned the secret, that is gratitude to contentment in any and every season. I found it in the palace and I found it in the prison. Paul said, man, I, I got to live in some prosperity seasons, man. When me and Timothy were on our ministry uh, adventures, planting churches and going from city to city, preaching the gospel, we had some high rollers treat us well, take care of us, put us up in some cool places. I had the private chef who, who cooked me up a perfectly, a perfectly sous-vide medium rare filet mignon every single night that just melted in your mouth. One time Timothy asked for ketchup for his and I slapped him. I rebuked him in his youthful ignorance and but I lived in prosperity and I actually enjoyed it. Why? Because I didn't actually need it for my contentment. And then the very next week, I was thrown into this prison cell for unfair reasons, by the way, doing what God had planned for him. And I learned the same thing here as I did there. Doesn't matter my season because I know the secret. Gratitude is my superpower. I can be content here. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I feel like that verse has like 3% to do with I can, I can win the game and I can be in the palace and be content through Christ who strengthens me. Of course, that, that's under the banner of all things. But then 97% to do with I can lose and be okay. I can be in the prison. I can be in this season and still find contentment because I know the secret and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Gratitude is my secret superpower. Life did not give it to me and life cannot take it from me. I'm telling you, a sermon about gratitude might as well be a sermon about happiness and fullness and fulfillment. Wealth, we cheapen that word when we make it just about money of course, money is, is part of it. Finances are a big part of life, and God knows that. But I think that kingdom wealth, that kingdom fortune, that includes your contentment where you are right now. Paul knew about it. You know, Sean Johnson, he's the senior pastor of all of Red Rocks, and he, he tells this story. He told it last year, where years ago, when he was an intern, his very first job in ministry, he was an intern making about 50 bucks a month, and that was his first year being married. And him and Jill said, man, at the end of every month, there'd be tears in our little apartment wondering how we're gonna pay rent again. And uh, God would always, just always come through. That's the season, by the way, where you decide you're a generous person and a grateful person. If you can't decide it there, you're not gonna just magically become it when you get here. And their church... Um, did a similar thing to this Kingdom Builders series. Took up like a, an end of year offering and 
like I said, already tears in their apartment, but they sat down one night and Jill said, what if we, uh, what if we gave everything that we have? What is that, 50 bucks? What if we just gave it and said, God, you do what you wanna do with this $50 and in our lives? And so I picture Jesus with that little fish sandwich. They wrote a check for $50 and said, thank you for it. Asked God to bless it and, and gave it. And the story goes, it's actually a crazy story because later that night, there was a, a wealthy guy in the church and God woke that guy up at like 2 a.m. and said, you know that intern kid, Sean Johnson, write him a check for $5,000. And so the guy did. And a couple days later, just passed Sean in the hallway and just like handed him this envelope and said, God told me to give this to you. And I, I can tell you so many stories like that. I have stories like that, but I just wanted to say this before you write a check for $500, because, $50 because you need 5,000, okay? <laughs> I will never, there's no formula with God. I will never preach how God chooses to bless. It's above my pay grade. I know better than that, but I will preach until the day that I die that he's a God where when you seek his kingdom first, he knows what you need and he even knows what you want and he loves to bless and take care of his kids. But don't just cheapen the word wealth to finances. Maybe you need peace in this season and God's gonna meet you with that. Maybe you need contentment or joy or purpose or fulfillment or love in this season and God's gonna meet you with that. I don't know, I don't know. But I do know that idea of kingdom wealth, kingdom fortune, I'm thinking of the righteousness for your salvation and knowing where you're spending eternity and living every day in light of that. I'm thinking of the peace of God's promised provision because you're deciding to do this his way and not your way. Because when you do finances your way, it's on you. But when you do this his way, it's on him. I'm talking about the joy of playing with house money. I'm talking about the walking in the fullness of purpose, the purpose that billionaires are trying to buy but, the, but no one can. Kingdom fortune, kingdom wealth. And I go back to that story of Sean and Jill. You know the day they, because ever since I've known them, I'm like, you guys are kingdom wealthy in every way. You know when they became that? Not the day that guy handed them a check for 5K. Two days before. When they went from 50 to a net worth of zero. And they traded what they thought they needed for what God actually won. It's when Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. God doesn't need a, a dime from you. The universe is his, the world is his, and the fullness thereof. When people say, oh, God just needs my money, I'm like, how much money do you have? Please, the God of the universe needs your money, or does he want your heart? And he knows when he gets your treasure, he gets your heart. And when God gets your heart, you get kingdom wealth. Gratitude takes what you have and makes it enough. Number three, gratitude reframes how you see the world. So somebody recently gave me a gift. These Ray-Ban polarized sunglasses and sunglasses, obviously, like they are for all of us, are hit and miss for me, but for me, they're more miss than hit, all right? I know that's shocking, because obviously cool is a high priority for me, but um, <clears throat> shut up. 
Um, but these like worked for me, you know? At least I think they do. If you're like, they don't, just don't tell me that. Um, but they're not just polarized. There's something called chromance polarized. Chromance polarized, what does that mean? I don't know, but it's dope. <laughs> like it's awesome. It's just a better way of living, having chromance polarized sunglasses, okay? Like I put these on, it doesn't change the room, but it, it, it changes it for me. It's different for me. It's better for me. It's just, what I'm trying to get across to you is it's just better. It's just a better way of seeing the world. Gratitude is just a better way of seeing the world. Because let me tell you what normal is. Let me tell you what normal is. This is just the human experience that we, we think on average about 40,000 thoughts every single day. But what's crazy is they say about 80% of them drift in the negative direction. So 40,000 thoughts a day and four out of five just tend to drift in the psychiatrists and sociologists call this a negativity bias. We just, we're just biased towards what's negative. We notice what's wrong way more than we notice what's right. And we pay attention to what we don't have way more than we pay attention to what we, we do have, a negativity bias. We even bond as humans, we bond over what makes us mad. I'm mad, are you mad? Are we, are we mad? I think we're mad, let's start a podcast. What are we mad about? What are we posting? I don't know, but I'm mad. We're mad together. And the matter I, the matter I am, the, the better I feel for some weird reason. It's a negativity bias where, where mad is just easier. Cynical is easier. Complaining is easier. Have you ever noticed even modern day pessimists prefer you call them a realist? I'm just not buying it anymore. I'm not. Because I think true realism is fair to both the bad and the good. And that's why faith is a type of realism. Faith is not a blind optimism. Faith is a kind of realism because it allows you to face the brutal facts of today and at the same time, focus on the hope in a steadfast way of tomorrow. Faith lets you do both at the same time. Gratitude changes the way you see the world. And if we just by default tend to drift towards what's wrong, then that means we need to actively bump ourselves back towards what's right. When Jesus said, hey, he who has eyes, let him see. She who has eyes, let her see. He said, the kingdom of heaven is here right now. The question is, do you see it? The question is, do you have eyes to, to see? The one who sees life with a lens of gratitude will see it different than everybody else. And while, while the rest of the world is walking around burning their retinas on everything that's ever gone wrong or is going wrong or could maybe possibly go wrong tomorrow, gratitude reframes how you, how you show up, how you see the world. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, this is just a few verses before in that same letter. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Now pause really quick for a second and you can leave that up there. I love the Bible because the Bible's not trying to sell you a thing. The Bible doesn't just say, hey, follow Jesus, everything gets better. The Bible does the opposite. It says, the reason Paul has to say this is because there's plenty of things that are not true and not noble and there's tons of stuff wrong. He's just saying, you already are an expert at seeing that. That's called being human. 
So what you need to do is whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy at all, think about those things. He's not telling you to ignore all the negative stuff. He just knows all of us have PhDs in that already. He's saying, but what is there to be grateful for? Right now, he understands the pattern of the world, the proclivity of the human mind to drift towards the negative. So essentially he says, what is there, what, what's good? Can you see it? Today, right now in your season, can you see what's good? Because a lot of stuff is good. There's a doctor, a psychiatrist, brain doctor by the name of Dan- Daniel Amen. I've talked about him recently a few times. He talks about the relationship between mental health and brain health. And uh, there's just, there's so much gold in it. And so I'll point you in that direction if you wanna know more. One of the things that he talks about is instead of a negativity bias, cultivating, that's active, that's not passive. Passive means you fall into the negativity bias trap all day, every day. Cultivating a positivity bias. And here's just a very simple way to do this. I love, I've adopted this into my life. At the end of every day when he goes to bed, he asks himself this question, what went well today? Because a lot of stuff went wrong, but you you already asked yourself that question. What went well today? This is, it's building gratitude pathways in your brain. Your brain is kind of like a garden. You need to feed what you're thankful for and you gotta weed out what makes you cynical or you'll get more and more cynical. What went well today? And he says, a few years ago, his, his father passed away. And he said, obviously, it was one of the hardest days of my life. I was close with my dad. But he went to bed that night, and his brain on autopilot at this point with that question, asked that question, what went well today? And maybe you beat me to it, but then here comes all the voices of shame, like what kind of... How, what kind of son on the day your father passed away? How could you, as if his dad doesn't want him asking that question. And so he told those, those voices where to go in Jesus' name, which you can do. And what took their place was now other voices or memories. And he, he said, I, I remembered this moment between this moment of brief laughter between my mom and one of the paramedics where she was telling a story about a dumb joke her husband, his dad, had said at breakfast just a few hours earlier. And I remembered all the text messages of love and support that I got from so many people. And I thought about how lucky I am that I got a dad that good for that many years. And he fell asleep that night with a morning heart and a smile on his face. Gratitude is is so much more than just a nice thing you should be because your parents said polite people are grateful. Gratitude is one of the most powerful forces there is here to overhaul your life. If you will actively practice it and cultivate it, it will change the way you see the world. And then finally, gratitude will get you through any trouble this world throws at you. 
and I, I just have a, I can feel it right now. I just sense there's pain in this room in everybody to some extent. And maybe for you right now, it's been a very, very painful week. And I've just been praying for, I guess, the Holy Spirit to steward this moment and have this moment be healing or encouraging or at least comforting. You know, the Holy Spirit, one of his names is the comforter. You know when he does his best work? When you're uncomfortable because of pain. Gratitude will get you through any trouble this world throws at you. Another, another um, example of Jesus not trying to sell you anything, John 16, this is red letters, this is Jesus. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're gonna have trouble, guys. I'm not, I'm not shielding you from it, I'm not gonna lie to you. You're gonna have trouble, but take heart because I have also overcome the world. So now, JV gratitude. Here's what JV gratitude looks like. It looks like being grateful when things go right. But there is something called graduating in gratitude. There's levels to this thing. Let me describe what varsity begins to look like. Being grateful even when they don't. I didn't say easy, I said varsity. And I don't know why bad things, so many bad things happen and sometimes it feels like good things that should happen don't happen and Maybe uh, I'm kind of over the days of preachers being know-it-alls and having answers for everything. When it comes to this kind of stuff, maybe the best thing you can hear from somebody who does what I do is, man, I don't, I don't always know. I'm here. I'll be in it with you. I, God is here. But I, I, I just, I don't always know. Here's what I do know, what C.S. Lewis said. God will whisper to us in our pleasure, but God shouts to us in our pain. So you might be in a season where you're in pain. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Keep coming back. You keep your head up. You will get through this. Do not isolate. Stay close. Get in a group. Ask for prayer. Keep giving any sort of hallelujah that you can, even if it comes from a broken heart, the power that unleashes over your life. But know this, it will never be as easy as it is right now to hear the voice of God. And he wants to speak to you. And if you listen for him, when you seek, you will find. And this valley will end. But when it does, you will be better for it. We don't have to praise God for pain, but we can find a way to praise him for what that pain is producing in our hearts. The more that you start to mature as a Christian, you begin to understand pain and joy. I don't have to wait for all of my pain to heal or be gone as if that day really ever comes. It heals but here's the powerful part of gratitude. You begin to understand that pain and joy can both exist in the same space. That's how big this gospel is. You're in pain. What I'm saying is gratitude is the secret superpower that allows joy to be present as well. Do not miss that. And before you say to me, well, you don't, you don't know what I'm in your right. I don't know what you're going through. You don't know me. But even the luckiest person on the planet will experience a significant amount of pain before this life is over for them. Even the luckiest person on the planet. Pain is like the great leveler. It's like the great unifier. It's the thing that we all have in common. Your version's different than my version. You guys know I get, uh, I get chronic headaches and migraines all the time. Let me describe to you a scene that has played out for me so many times. Let's say I'm in like a living room and there's a bunch of us on a couch. One person will say, oh, my head's just killing me. But then they'll notice I'm in the room 
and they'll try to like backtrack because they know my story and they'll be like, oh, but it's, it's actually, it's not that, it's not like that bad. As if I have like dibs on headaches. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, you're, you're allowed to have headaches. How about this? All headaches suck. All pain sucks. Pain has this weird way of getting us to sort of, I, I feel like I have dibs on this portion of pain because I've been paying the price for it. And nobody can relate to this. And I, I don't want anybody speaking. And even when a well-meaning person tries, I'm gonna hear it the wrong, they said it the wrong way. And not even God can understand. And guys, God doesn't just sympathize with your pain. He empathizes with your pain. He is the great high priest who came to this planet and felt the highest of highs and the lowest of valleys. And you could argue more of these so that he could relate to you and sit with you in your valley and in your storm, his rod and his staff. They comfort me, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because this valley will end and God is with me in it and I will be better and stronger for it when it does. That's why I tr you trust people who have bled before in this life in crazy painful ways and they come out the other side still praising the name of Jesus. That person can give me life advice all day, any day, because that's been tested. The first on that list being the Apostle Paul. How was that guy not a pessimist? Thrown in prison everywhere, flogged and beaten everywhere, all the way to being martyred for his faith. And that guy saying to live is Christ, to die is gain. I've got a secret superpower they know nothing about. You can't touch me. Gratitude is my invincibility and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And worship team, you can come up. Uh, about six weeks ago, it was Saturday night, the 6 p.m. service. I was about to walk up onto the stage and I had just, my wife and, and, and Will and Kinsley, my five and two year olds, were at the 4 p.m. I had just helped Sam get the kids into the car and about to walk up on the stage and all of a sudden my phone starts buzzing in my pocket and I pull it out and it's my wife. And I'm like, okay, something's wrong because she would never call me right now. So I pick up the phone and the very first thing she says, very calm, she says, babe, we're all okay. Um, but we just, got, we just got hit on the highway really bad um, by a car going 70 and our car, their, her car, like it spun out and ended up on the side of the highway, almost in like the ditch over here on its side. Car completely totaled, all the airbags had gone off, all the glass was shattered. And um, when Sam had finally like come to, like she, she said she heard crying in the back seat. And she's like, I've never been that grateful to hear crying in my life. Not a scratch, you guys, on anybody. It was a complete miracle. Like, Sam was a little sore and banged up. The kids are like rubber. They were fine. And Sam, like, the, side, the car's sideways, and she's making her way into the back to, she starts um, unhooking the kids from the car seats, and there's a few good Samaritans who had stopped, and David and Shauna, so grateful for you hands Will out the broken window and she's getting Kinsley. And, and uh, she said that Kins had been eating a cup of goldfish at the time of the accident 
and they like exploded and went everywhere. And as she's trying to get Kins through the broken glass and airbags, sideways car, Kins is like grabbing goldfish. <laughs> Which is just good stewardship, you know? But I immediately, I just handed the mic to Ryan and just, I was like, dude, I gotta go. And uh, that should have taken me about 14 minutes to get there, but it took an hour because the entire highway was shut down, like every, every lane, every exit. And you can't like get out of the car and tell 3,000 other cars, like you're the dad, you're the husband. You need to get there. You just have to, nothing you can do. It was the longest hour of my life. I finally get there and Will is, you know, on the fire truck pushing buttons and Kinsley's with, the, with David and Shauna and Sam's talking to a police officer and I got to kiss my wife and hug my kids and I have never felt that much gratitude in my entire life. And what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is you have about two or 300 of those things right now where if you lost it, your greatest prayer request would be to get it back. And if you did, you would be eternally grateful for it. The question is, you have that right now. Can you cultivate gratitude right now? God, I can. I can walk to my car after church today. I do have loved ones I can hug today. I have some that I can't, but I have a lot that I can. I do have people who care about me. I do. And I don't, man, I don't know. I have a lot of stories that didn't end up as good as that car accident story did. I've told them to you. We've preached messages about what to do in that moment. I just, I felt like the big man upstairs very clearly put it on my heart. He said, preach a message today about all the things that are good. Because there's a, there's a lot that's not, and there's a lot that's wrong, but there's stuff that's good. There's stuff that's beautiful and pure and pleasing and noteworthy and noble in front of you right now. Can you feel grat? I'm talking about the loved ones you can hug. I'm talking about the lungs in your chest that are breathing. I'm talking about the heart in your chest that is beating. I'm talking about the voice that's in your throat that can praise the name of Jesus in just a few moments today. I'm talking about the weather in Austin that is 70 degrees in November with a slight chilly breeze and the best weather ever for Thanksgiving. I'm saying there's good stuff to be grateful for right now. And gratitude is a secret superpower. Gratitude unlocks the door to the presence of God and everything that goes with it. Gratitude takes whatever it is that you have right now and makes it enough. Gratitude reframes completely how you see the world this week and gratitude will get you through any trouble this world and this life, as hard as it is, might throw at you, amen? Come on, you guys, will you stand? So how do you cultivate gratitude? You can just Google that, and I suggest you do because there's all kinds of just great ideas, like gratitude walks, like prayer walks, but you're talking about, you're thinking about everything from Philippians 4.8 that you are grateful for right now. A journal where you just start listing everything you know, you're grateful for. I know this pastor in Dallas who has a document on his desktop, on his laptop, and he, he says, it's, it's for my eyes only right now, and one day I want somebody to read it at my funeral and it's titled, Don't Cry For Me. And he just adds things as he thinks of it. Don't cry for me. 
I was married to the most beautiful woman on the planet. Don't cry for me, I got to eat a perfectly cooked filet mignon. And then the last one, the last one, don't cry for me, I'm home. Because I know the secret. To live is Christ and even to die is gain. That is about the closest thing to invincibility that there is. But of all these practices, you know, they say um, story is the most powerful way of cultivating gratitude. So if you, can, if you can hone in on like a movie or a book or a video on YouTube that makes you feel gratitude, can you watch that? Can you think about that every day? Because story has this powerful effect on the heart and the mind to cultivate gratitude. And I thought, how convenient. I happen to know the greatest story that's ever been told about a God who left everything and came to this planet to live the perfect life I can never live and give me the righteousness I can never deserve so I could go to heaven forever and live alive and free here and now. And that's why for, the, for as long as God lets Red Rocks Church have a heartbeat, we're gonna talk about Jesus and we're gonna sing about Jesus and we're gonna keep coming back to the story of the gospel. When that story is preached and the Holy Spirit moves, lives are transformed, gratitude is born. And gratitude is your secret and your key to having and being enough in any season, in the season you are in right now. And I think it's the perfect precursor. I think it's the perfect way to begin a Kingdom Builder series as we go into two weeks of talking more about generosity and finances. By the way, the Bible mentions prayer 500 times. The Bible mentions finances 2,100 times. Jesus talked about it more than anything else, not because he needs it, but because he knows how much we want it and he wants your heart. He wants your heart. And I just, man, this is my favorite series because it challenges me and, and Sam every single year. Um, so many of the testimonies for what God has done in and through our lives are in the immediate aftermath of, of seasons like this where we go, can we take something above and beyond and bless it and give thanks for it and then give it and see what God does with it. That's how you get stories to tell. That's how you get stories to tell. And for the next two weeks, I know this topic is like touchy for so many people. And the reason is because we've either been hurt in a church by this or human is just, we just love money. We do. And that's why this can be the, like, so freeing when you let it be. Um, I would rather first time guests be here for the next two weeks than on Christmas or Easter. Because this is when you get to see a church be a freaking church. This is when you get to cut us open and see what is this place really all about? Making heaven more crowded by helping people know God, live on purpose, and being part of something that will continue to change the world. So God, we love you, and we're just grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for making us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for the voices that you've put in our, in our throats right now that we get to praise you with breath in our lungs and give it back to you. And I pray that the sound of this worship and praise would bless your heart and minister to you. In Jesus' name, amen.